Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the blatant pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Here in Silicon Valley, there's always been talk of Things like bubbles and busts, and uh, having lived through the original dot-com bubble and the subsequent bust of the late 1990s, um, there are always questions about whether or not we have re-entered such a frothy time. Uh, And many are now insisting that we're absolutely in another one of these bubbles. The key thing that many people point to as evidence is this concept that lots of people are talking about here in Silicon Valley of unicorns. These are startups that grow in valuation so quickly as to reach over a billion dollars in valuation. Uh, For people who are not followers of this necessarily, valuation does not mean anything other than somebody paid you a certain amount of money at that valuation. Uh, until until a full company is bought, the valuation is sort of a made-up number. Um, the term unicorn was popularized by a venture capitalist, uh, Eileen Lee, uh, within just the past couple of years and has quickly become a term that is appealing uh, to those in the startup world. And everyone talks about becoming a unicorn or working for a unicorn or things like that. Um, but I think outside of startup land, it's a frequently ridiculed or mocked uh, concept. Um, it, it does seem a little crazy, certainly, to see companies that didn't even exist a couple of years ago and who have little actual revenue being somewhat arbitrarily declared as being worth a billion dollars or even many billions of dollars. But there's a question of, is that truly a sign of a bubble? Uh, recently, Miguel, Miguel Hep sorry about the pronunciation there, at Forbes, wrote an interesting piece trying to, to uh, put out a counter-narrative that uh, suggesting that all this focus on unicorns and, and all these huge valuations is really not that big of a deal. He talked about there are supposedly 93 current unicorns in the U.S., and if you add up all of their valuations, it comes to $322 billion. And while that sounds like an awfully large number, it's still smaller than the valuation of Microsoft right now. And as he notes, as I have written down here, it says, uh, he, he wrote, which would you rather own long term, Microsoft or a basket that includes Uber, Airbnb, Snapchat, Pinterest, along with scores of others, a few of which will surely emerge as future PayPal's, Twitter's, or Fitbit's. And it's, this is a perfectly reasonable point. And hell, you could look at Apple, which has cash on hand of over $200 billion. And that means it could purchase Uber, Airbnb, Pinterest, all of these different companies with cash on hand, not having to use any equity at all. Uh, and you think about that, and you're like, oh, that's actually... You know, maybe they, these aren't such a, such a big deal. And a related point is that unlike the last dot-com bubble, or for that matter, the real estate bubble uh, from the mid-2000s, 
the vast majority of these unicorns are privately funded rather than publicly funded. And in other words, if the bubble, if there is a bubble and if it were to burst, um, some very wealthy people would probably lose an awful lot of money, but it won't hit everyone else as directly. Uh, it certainly could have pretty serious indirect effects, but the overall impact is likely to be much more contained and focused on people who can absorb the hit. And that, you know, maybe some of us don't mind if they, <laughs> they lose some of their money. Um, but still, there is something about all this hype and the huge valuations that feels like a bubble. And certainly some people, uh, plenty of people outside of Silicon Valley think it's a bubble and a growing number of people, I think inside Silicon Valley are, are worrying that it's, it's a bubble. And so I thought that we could take the, this opportunity to discuss the question with our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy. And so guys, we'll start it off with the big question. Are we in a bubble? Is it going to pop soon? And will we be in serious trouble? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a hard... Predict the future, damn yeah. it. If, if I could predict that, I'd be sitting on an island somewhere. Yeah. My own island, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, I, I actually think, you know, so to go back to the Forbes article guy, yeah, Miguel, you, I think you called him Miguel. <laughs> I, I apologize, I screwed that but, one up. But, you know... One of the interesting things there is 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 the is the point that most of these uh, stockholders in in these companies are are large institutions or 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 or, or wealthy individuals, right? Yeah. And it's not the public, right? And there's two there's two things to that. So when we talk about a bubble, is do we talk about about a bubble in terms of a financial event that when it pops, it causes kind of widespread chaos, or is the bubble just in terms of something that could be a very locally concentrated thing that that just affects a small yeah. number of people? I mean, because it, I think it's clear in terms of valuations, there's a bubble, but I don't know if that means that there's going to be when it pops, there's going to be the wider repercussions that we would associate yeah. with something like the real estate. I mean, I think my, you know my my understanding when people talk about a bubble. Like the the classic one that people refer to is like the Dutch tulip, tulip bulb, yeah. right? Yeah. Mania, um, mania. mania, and like basically, like it's the concept is valuation or the value of something as defined by the market when you know is over overvalued, right? And massively, massively overvalued, and largely built on speculation and hype, right? And when everything kind of shakes out at at the end of the day, people will be left holding, you know, a sack of tulip bulbs that they paid, you know, a ridiculous sum of money for. Right. And I think and that's what kind of right. so, the, so the worry it's, it's, is. It's more, the right? worry tends to be more focused on kind of this mass hysteria aspect and the fact that it does sweep up people. And, and that was, you know, part of the problem with the original dot-com bubble, which was that much of that was inflated by the public markets and the fact that these companies right. would go public six months after being founded and, you know, and, and had no, you know, no path to anything recently. And, and a lot of that hype was, I mean, it was actually, you know, like it fed upon itself. It was the late 90s were a time when kind of like a lot of online trading was starting to come online. Uh -huh. um, a lot of message boards were starting to, to be used, you know, so people were definitely hyping up companies and realizing mm -hmm. that you could post a message on the Yahoo message boards and, and get a frenzy about something. And, yeah. and move a stock. Like, and I think that. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. That's right? why at least this bubble feels different. It, 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 the internet, the number of users is definitely much larger, right? It was maybe 100 million or something then. Now it's billions, right? Yeah. A, a big 
proportion of the population. People are, mobile devices are with us all the time, uh -huh. so it's much more tightly integrated into the way we purchase and, and request things, both goods and services. And uh, I think all of these things, you know, lots of observers have pointed out, you know, the difference between the current companies that we call the unicorns and those dot-com sure. flashes in the pan. The, and, the, and the most unicorn of, companies and, now, are, now and, have real businesses, right? Like Airbnb, and, and the yep. people are, they're getting they have you know hundreds of millions of dollars, in some cases billions of dollars of actual revenue, yep. uh, which wasn't the case before. Now, but yep. here's the thing, right? Um, you we've been talking about this bubble in terms of uh, 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 like are the valuations kind of sort of out of proportion, right? And and one of the things you said is like, hey. Those companies were public companies, and these are private companies, right? And so, uh -huh. and you almost talked about that, that, like that was a positive thing. I actually think that's a very negative thing, Mike, because that, that it's private companies the, today instead of public. It basically, I, you, and I can't participate in this, this this possible growth expansion, whereas we could before. And this is actually a much more possibly a healthier group, or as you called it, a basket of companies, and we can't participate in it, right? And and when we talk about things like wealth disparity in this country growing, I mean, these are the kinds of things <laughs> that kick it off, right? Those yeah. guys have access to much higher sure. growth than we do with our portfolios. Like, I don't know about you. Maybe you're an accredited investor, but I'm not. I am not. <laughs> yeah, I don't have access to those private equity funds and stuff. Yeah, the guys who get to, to, to participate, no one's calling me and asking me, hey, Hirsch, do you want to participate around? Like, nobody says that. And so uh, it, that's hard, right? Like, sure. So, so it's no, amazing. And that's, and that's as, as a different point than, than I was intending to discuss, but it's actually a really good one and a really interesting one, which is like, so it's the flip side to, you know, part of the argument is that right now all of the risk is on wealthy individuals who can afford to absorb the loss if there is loss. Mm -hmm. right. But that also means the reward mm -hmm. is also focused on them. And, and if you're concerned about wealth, wealth disparity and, and income inequality, then maybe we should be concerned that, that basically we've walled off these kinds of investments. But the flip side to that is that when you have a sort of mania that allows unsophisticated investors to get into these things, is that problematic? And I, I, even I sort of hesitate to say that, but I think we've seen many, you know, situations where when things are open to, to public markets, you can get sort of this mass hysteria where people and very speculative uh, investing, which becomes m much more like gambling rather than investing. And so uh, I don't yeah. know if I have a... a, a well, an I, I mean, in terms of like the, the valuations that companies are getting right now in the, private, in the private sphere are largely because they are able to raise huge amounts of actual capital yeah. for these big, big valuations. You know, like, you know, Uber has raised, what, billions of dollars yeah. at this point. Um, you know, SpaceX raised a billion dollars on a $10 billion valuation. What, what was in, Uber's it, valuation? I, um, I, like, I, I forget what I they forget. were, but... 50 billion um, or yeah, it's, it's in the 50 or 60 or even higher valuation at this point. But, but I guess my point is, you know, in the, in the late 90s, in the first kind of dot-com bubble, if you wanted to raise a billion dollars, I don't know, I don't even think the... No, I don't think anyone would raise that. Right, there, the, public, the public markets were the only place you could go for that, right? Yeah, so, there, were, there were a few private... I remember... And, and, you know, now we're going back 15 or sure. more years, and so my memory may be faded. But I do remember there were some e-commerce startups that, that brought in a few hundred million dollar yep. rounds. And, like, Webvan may Webvan have been was the like largest. Webvan was, like, a famous one. And that, that was maybe a few hundred million dollars. Yeah. I mean, like, Uber has raised, like, over $8 billion right now. Right. Um, $8 and billion? $8 billion. And, and I think that it's also, it's kind of, a, it's not a true market. It's not a liquid marketplace. Sure. When you're raising... 
eight you know eight billion dollars only there's only a few players in it so it's hard to say that their valuation is actually set by the market right so it's it's um, not fair to say there's only a few players. I mean, there's there's lots of consortia. But but not like not not as if they raise in the public markets that says that no, well, no, of course, this of is course. what the market yeah, says you're worth. And right? so and so and now now you no, know one true. of the arguments that people would will, could reasonably make is that you know maybe there's a good thing in terms of keeping the the really you know high risk and projects Uber, like the Uber is still actually very high risk right now. Yeah. Point, oh, totally. Right? So and, well, and there's certain concerns, but but keeping them, you know. In this, you know, in, in the private markets, um, to the point where they can prove that they are sustainable business, and then bringing them out to the public market. Look at the reverse that happened with Dell. Dell sure. was a public company, and they sure. took it private. And the, actually, the crazy thing that happened recently with Dell was that um, Dell bought EMC. Yeah. Right. Which, which, if you look at it, I think EMC's was something it's like the largest tech purchase yeah, ever. Right. Yeah. It was huge, and I yeah. don't think and, Dell's and, that and, big. And, Dell's and, like twenty billion. It came, like, it came out that 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 deal came out the same day our podcast was released, in which you Hirsch said, "Whatever happened to Dell?" Yeah, really, <laughs> man. I have some the worst. I have the but, worst. But they time. raised Dell raised that cash. They, right. There's a whole bunch of different things. But can you imagine if Michael Dell was running a public company, him trying to convince his shareholders that he's going to go raise this money to buy $70 billion or maybe $60 billion EMC? Yeah, I mean, and that's a whole different issue if we start to go down into the question of like public versus private companies and their whole issues with like activist shareholders. Would Twitter be a public company today if it came out today? I mean, Twitter, I think, would have stayed private. I mean, they they have well, so Twitter much. Just went public. They I mean, just, this is we're not, not we're not long. talking that long ago. No, I mean, but in the shape they're in right now, like the kind of decisions they need to make, having the public markets hounding them. I mean, like, is that really what Jack Dorsey, their new CEO, really needs? I mean, he probably just wants to like not have to deal with investor yeah, calls and I, stuff and just just deal I with mean, it. it is, you know, right? I mean, there's a lot of hassle. I mean, Michael Dell doesn't have to deal with any of that. Yes, and and there's there's uh, you know, and maybe this is this is another. <laughs> right. I mean, like, do companies really need to go public anymore? Like, is is there there seems to be enough cash in the private sector now to raise whatever amount of money? Like, why why go public? Right. So, well, well, there's after you get to some number of right, shares. So, so there's or technically yeah. There, well, there are a few different things, right? There's sort of legal, you know, reasons that compel companies to go public. There are. You know, uh, access to the public markets is still much more liquid, and also gives an exit for sure. early investors, which you know otherwise they may get, you know, they may have their their equity locked up, and, th- and there are a whole variety of reasons for that. But but yeah, I mean, you know, I think there are. There's a larger question here, which I was not intending to discuss at all, but it is an interesting question, so we could delve into it a little bit. Which is this whole idea of like this whole focus on like the concept and the way that we run public markets today. Like, does that even make sense anymore? You know, and and like the concept behind you, you mean the kinds of regulations we have. Yeah, and like the concept behind like you know yeah. uh, public equity markets makes sense. The idea that you know people can invest in these companies and buy well, small pieces uh, right. of the equity. But I mean, I remember seeing like I, I totally forget where I read this, but just basically like is kind of a liquid market the right way to invest in a publicly traded company? Like it. it Forces upon a lot of public companies like a quarterly focus. Yeah, and, and um, that's so that's my main major like, concern. With, no, but that's with, a shareholder culture no, thing. I no, think. no, no. I mean, I think that that's actually driven by the fact that you can buy and sell these equities, kind of you know, minute to minute. So I think the thing I, I forget the details of the proposal I was reading was imagine you had a public company that was selling essentially restricted shares that you could only trade once every 
year or something. So uh-huh. basically, you're, long, you're long-term, long-term, long-term shares. investing shares. That wouldn't affect right? anything, Dennis, because people would still trade instruments. That you that, could, that you could then directly. create yeah. derivatives yeah, off right. of yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that would... Uh, cause the same pressure. But here's the thing, right? With, with, <laughs> but the thing is, like, I think it's an investor culture thing. When Warren Buffett has the same power to sell shares quickly or slowly whenever he wants, he doesn't pressure companies the same way. So it's, it's a culture of what the investors, the large shareholders are doing to these companies. What, what are they expecting out of them? And, and um, make it... I think everybody knows that just trying to force a company off its path to you know, turn on a dime quarter to quarter, that's not a healthy thing to do the management or the workers in that company, right? So, so these investors that are looking for really short-term returns, it's up to the other shareholders and long-term interest holders in that company to sort of overpower them. And if you lose control of the company to these short-term people, then um, the people who really shoot themselves in the foot are those short-term Shareholders are not going to be sure. able to unload the shares. Nobody's going nobody's to want to see a guy or an organization that takes control of companies and tries to rip them apart with short-term uh, optimizations. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to buy shares in that company because they know it's going to get ripped apart the minute these guys ditch their shares. So it's really a cultural thing and an information thing. Well, so I think you know, and, and there is you know, there is some sort of culture clash here. And again, this this wasn't. Supposed to be turned into a discussion yeah. on the public market. It was really supposed to be focused on, 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 <laughs> on whatever, man. This the, is interesting. Yeah, no, it is interesting. But but there there is this you know sort of different focus between like you know to do like big innovative things. You know, you need sort of uh, you know visionary aspects and willingness to take large risks and take large chances. And that kind of concept does not mesh well with with public markets. And so, you know, once once companies go into public markets where there are, I mean, some of this does depend on shareholder structure and control and all that kind of stuff, but there are issues where, you know, larger companies that are on the public markets are kind of hamstrung in actually trying to be innovative. Well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. It, it depends on the faith that the public markets have in your management team. When, when Jobs came back to Apple, uh-huh. his shareholders had faith in him and he did lots of crazy risky things right yeah. and um, amazon has done a lot amazon of yeah, yeah. To the, actually the amazon's an amazing example right i mean when has has, has amazon turned a profit yet like i, I don't <laughs> I, know maybe I, they I, have i don't really know but, but their, but their, their stock right. rocketed i think it was like 300 yeah. earlier this year and now it's like up north of 500 i mean they're clearly doing something right and they basically invented the cloud com, you know computer market or what do you call it the cloud uh, computation market the cloud server market um AWS and and you know everybody else, Microsoft and IBM and stuff have followed them, and that's a public company. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I and mean, it, it's I, it, I I really don't think the shareholders go into basically Bezos's uh, earnings calls and say you know hey we want you to rein in costs. They no, just no, like go but, for well, it. No, you know? but that's so. I mean, he Bezos over the years has been under a lot of pressure over these things, and and so? I remember oh totally. And I mean, to his credit, and this is sort of a leadership thing, was that he's basically you know he's been pretty direct in telling investors to like screw off if you if you don't yeah. like it then then go away, and uh, and he's in enough of a powerful position and has enough support, and I don't know what his control you know how much he mm-hmm. he, he owns the company or what sort of controlling shares he has, but uh, enough that you know he's he's obviously very very entrenched, and so. So there's there's been willingness there, but you know, 
it's it it's an interesting dynamic in terms of you know a public company versus a private company. But let's 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 go back to this question. <laughs> What's the question? What was the original? The, the question? original question was was the bubble, and is there is there a bubble, and should we be concerned in Silicon Valley? Is there a problem? I mean, it never feels I mean, like a concern until yeah, it is. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And okay. when we were in the late '90s, everyone kept talking about the bubble, and it was fine until it, it went away. <laughs> <laughs> and then it wasn't fine. You, but, you, but, but you and me were mostly okay. I don't even think we when we had jobs, it wasn't like we wasn't like yeah. we were fine. I mean, I think I think it kind of it definitely had an effect. I think rents went down. I actually remember thinking this is pretty awesome. Yeah, my rent at the time went down. I remember <laughs> my landlord lowered the rent. That was the greatest thing ever. But but uh, There was no traffic on 101. <laughs> remember, that was crazy. I was like, wow, yeah. this is smooth sailing. But... I mean, like, you know, I you know, we had our stock go from seventy dollars down to seventy cents. That was pretty painful. <laughs> yeah, so like that, you know, like it was, it was not a great time. But then, you know, I think the the difference it's it, it's cyclical, right? So sure. this feels like I used to say that the the late nineties were an era of like convenience and amazing things that were funded largely by venture capitalists that we would never see again. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> So, right, we're and seeing it's back. it again. And, and I think it's that, better. you know, it's better this time, actually. Yeah, it's you know? not, but it's not funded by venture capitalists anymore, is it? Sure it is. Sure. Yeah. It's all these other... Lot of it. Well, it's venture capitalists Russian and, billionaires and, and private and equity. Yeah, but there's, there's, there, there are additional private equity, yeah. you know, players who... Funded by it. not me. But, right, yeah, so. <laughs> that is good. I wonder um, how much subsidized. of that... Subsidized. I wonder subsidized. how much of that money that... Subsidized. That eight billion that you said Uber raised, how much of what the split is there? Like some, does some of it come from like big like it's, pension funds or something? It's like private equity. I think the last round Baidu was actually in that round. Baidu invested in them. Yeah, um, and I think that you know I don't know where that money is coming from. Isn't Baidu a company itself that takes that kind of investment? Right? Are they public now? Baidu, it must be. I don't. I don't know. But but I guess I mean the 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 point here is that you know it's all cyclical, so it feels very bubbly right now. Right. Kind of felt like back in the late 90s and then after the bubble burst that's when everyone w was focusing on you know hey let's make companies that are slow and sustainable and, and focus on profits in the very beginning um, how, quick, how quickly we forget right so yeah and I mean it was an interesting time right I mean having lived through it like there were there were some benefits I mean for, for one thing if you were starting up an interesting company there were people available right you could yeah. fi find people who would be willing to work with you whereas today like actually hiring people is one of the most difficult things for it's a lot impossible. of tech companies yeah. it's, it's, we're trying it's to hire right now it's very very difficult to find good people and so that changed suddenly you had more of an abundance of people and you're right I mean there were more people who were like well let's let's build sustainable companies and and some of those turned into you know some very successful companies Companies and we're seeing, you know, some of the, you know, some of the most successful companies have sort of come out of the, you know, the trough period between bubbles. So whether or not, you know, is it is it a big concern if, if a bubble collapses? Here's here's my prediction about what the most damaging thing about the bubble is going to be. The most damaging thing is going to be the fact that Silicon Valley is acting as a skills. Uh, vacuum cleaner kind of thing, like this, this sucking sound where it's pulling everybody <laughs> here and having them all basically trained to do the same thing. It's like Ruby on Rails programmers, Python data science. Like, you know, there's like this few things. There's going to be a, a vast oversupply yeah, of that. Yeah, but and I mean, not like that, that skill set I th is... I think it's just... I mean, you only need so many Ruby on Rails yeah, people, yeah, but, to but, be honest. But you're, I mean, but you're suggesting that like that skill set is not transferable into other kinds of it, things it that is. will be useful, and I don't know no, if no, I No, that's true, but we also need like mechanical engineers, and we need, you know... 
electrical engine. We need all these guys to do yeah, like other things. Yeah, and they're over at SpaceX and Tesla. No, so. there's very few. There's very few other kinds of engineers. I mean, they're all... You, you see all these guys that come in and interviewing for like computer science-related things, like programming uh-huh. stuff, and they've got like amazing degrees like, you know, optical physics, like, you know, somebody who should be designing yeah. lasers. I mean, I was some, a mechanical yeah, engineer. I was going to say, yeah, Dennis is a mechanical you know, engineer. But, and that happened in the first... Yeah, well, no one wanted to hire me for a mechanical engineer. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I mean. I mean, like, our economy is going to get so lopsided. Yeah, but, but I mean, if, yeah. if, if you needed to go back into mechanical engineering... I, I'm, I'm not going back. <laughs> There's no way now. You haven't done it for, like, 20 years. I know, but, but, but say... I mean, but, but at the same time, like, we are seeing all sorts of other stuff. I mean, you know, we've talked in the past about, like, there's all these new hardware startups that we're suddenly yeah. seeing. And so, like, hardware is a thing again. Hardware is a thing. Internet of, Internet of Things. There's, it, the is, 3D is, printing is, revolution is... Coming like it's a huge thing, and so yeah, and those are not the Ruby on Rails skills. Exactly, you need, no, but that you but need they mechanical need engineers, too, and but they, they need people too. And I think that that's part of the current bubble that's going on. Is that you know, like there's actually a lot of real world operational companies. Like Uber is not Uber is sure they they have software, but they're also like a marketing company. They they deploy operations teams on you know on every city that they deploy to right now, mm-hmm. which are not programming people. Those are you know operational. Human resource, and like mm-hmm. marketing, logistics. logistics. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting skill sets being grown there. It's actually um, interesting. I, I want to see what kind of new job types they invent to serve the uh, you know on-demand economy, right? And these two-sided marketplace people, yeah. like they they're gonna need like when you say operations people, they're not manufacturing something, they're not actually running a taxi service. The software does that, but they're coordinating but it, all that customer yeah, service. They're, they're, they're coordinating exactly. all the all the different workers, and you know that those yeah. are. Tangible skill sets, I think, yeah. that are being developed. And, 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 and actually, if, if, if we'll, I mean, we'll see things come out of that that I think are really interesting because as those people begin to think through those things, they'll think of other ideas, and I think we'll see, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, second generation companies that come out of all of these on-demand companies will lead to yeah. some really interesting things that people never had. I mean, really I, I, I think at some point in the future, this job that's not considered a very high tiered or prestigious job, this job of being a customer service rep in a data center somewhere mm-hmm. is actually going to become a highly skilled job and it's going to it's going to be a differentiating factor for companies, right? It's, sure. It, almost everything's going to be servers. You can have some programmers in, in cubicles somewhere like doing the server stuff. There's going to be a few operations people to handle the physical and, and there, things and then there's going to be and the whole customer facing thing is going to be these human beings that are and, like just really good some, at dealing some with Some people, people have been, you know, suggesting that and certainly like companies like Zappos really yeah. Oh, yeah, know, made, made that a, yeah. a really strong focus and there have been a few other companies and I mean, lots of people have pointed out the fact that you know, customer service is, is often the, you know, the, the real touch point that, that people have your with your company. Business, right? And it's, it's a marketing thing, and it shouldn't be seen as a cost, but it should be seen as, as an opportunity. Though, unfortunately, some companies then turn that into, you know, trying to mm-hmm. upsell stuff and, and be annoying yeah. like that. But I think good, com- you know, good customer service is, is a really highly skilled thing. And I think mm-hmm. some companies are recognizing that and not, not just looking at it as a cost center. But um, I, I was recently talking to someone on the phone, and they did the most skillful upsell I've ever seen. And, <laughs> and it, it, it was uh, some financial service stuff. I won't go into it. But, but basically, I knew from the minute I picked up the phone and was talking to this guy that um, uh, he this was not some low-rent guy out of some call <laughs> center somewhere, right? Like the guy was very... He t- he spoke slowly. He spoke very nuanced. That's he, what you thought. He, oh, he was a, he was a computer program. No, uh, but he basically, you know, he 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 did it the way you might. Um, 
You ever see Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn, sure. Glenn Ross, the movie? You remember Al Pacino's character? Yes. Where he just kind of engage you, and then you remember he was engaging the guy in the Chinese restaurant, and you basically he's trying to sell the man a piece of real estate. So he starts talking about dreams and aspirations. He doesn't talk about real estate. And then finally he just... Shows so, in the real so estate. You, at, it, somebody you bought into your dreams and aspirations. You no, know, basically, it was for like a particular kind of brokerage account. <laughs> but uh, basically, like, did you buy a, a timeshare in Florida? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were selling. Don't lie. But, but, um, but, 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 I think that's going to be the future, right? Like, if if you're selling enough high value stuff. Um, you, you can you, you can afford to have these really good telephone salesmen, and that mm. would be that's a skill set. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's the other point of view, which is saying that things are getting more and more automated, and more and more powerful computers can handle these things. Or you a, can start a, a to, computer start cannot to, do or Al Pacino's to, character in Glenn no, Gary Glenn Ross. But, but, but there's a question of like, do you need? Do you want? Al Pacino's character. Yeah, well, I don't I want it. That, but, but if I if I'm the CEO, I want it because I know well, he can but, sell but, people. But, but that so that's a question, right? But then then you're gonna have like you know buyer's remorse and regret and all these kinds of things where it's like you know you could envision a world where instead of trying to do the Glenn Gary Glenn Ross Al Pacino thing where you're upselling people stuff that they really don't need, well, where you're okay. more efficiently matching people with what they actually need and giving them something that they'll walk away from happy and they'll get the perfect amount, not the the upsell. Yeah, okay, so I I didn't mean that aspect of this character, right? Like I. Imagine. I actually think at the at the point where he sold the property, the guy needed it. The guy was the guy was sitting there drink. The guy he sold you, the property. You bought, to, you bought into his dreams and aspirations too. No, the guy could have used a vacation property, right? So anyway, I have no idea what the original question was. Yeah. We've gotten yeah. so far away. Let's okay. We're gonna close this out one this one out now. We keep going off on these tangents, which are really really interesting, but we haven't. Answer the question of whether I don't even know what the question is. Is it a bubble? Do we have a bubble? Is it going to pop? Are we going to die? I don't think it's going. It's not going to pop the same way. I mean, it's it's the same. The the same thing will happen that has happened before, which is like some companies will succeed and we'll be Uh like, "Whoa, I should have invested in that one," but I couldn't have because you know. Um, (laughs) Or and then other companies will fail and and close, and that happens in the public markets today too. Sure. So it's like. Or they'll merge and they'll merge, or the the assets will be kind of redistributed and whatever. Sure. I think that and. Is it a bubble? Like overall, will I mean, when a bubble bursts, it's like wealth is kind of you know the evaporated. Silicon, I don't so, know. So I don't I, know the Silicon Valley bubble is insignificant. Okay, so, there's so other me, bubbles around the world. So, that those are the so. Let, let me let me summarize this podcast, and then we can go home. So <laughs> the summary is: Is there a, bu- a bubble in Silicon Valley? And the answer is: Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, basically. No, it's it's <laughs> it's business as usual. This is what it feels like to be. In a environment in which new companies are formed, um, you know valuations are hyped, uh, valuations are set by a few people that you know, agree upon a price, right? I, th- th- that was my point about a small market. Like the uh-huh. reason why a Picasso painting is sold for so much money is because there's not that many of them, and there's more people that want it, right? So, sure. and Supply they set and the demand. price. They set the price. There's not that many, you know. There's a lot of companies, people trying to start companies. There's not that many that actually look as amazing as the so-called unicorns look. Sure. Right? Um, and that's what's going to drive those prices. So do, it's not just an optics thing, Dennis. They really are have amazing businesses that are clearly going to be around. Some, you think? Some of them. Yeah. Some oh, come on. Unless there's regulatory yeah, well, change, Uber's around. No, Unless so, there's regulatory change, 
Airbnb. Yeah, but but not all of them. I mean, there are already questions about some of. You know, there was recently people were talking about things like there was an article I think recently they were saying like Evernote is oh, yeah, not you know Evernote. they're not a unicorn are they <laughs> sure they are. yeah, uh, yeah. I take my and word. so Slack is a uni- <laughs> like I love I love Slack right but Slack's like, a unicorn yeah. Slack is a unicorn uh, right, like, right, right. we work we work as uni- is okay. unicorn I'm going to amend what we, I said we, we work as a is a decacorn right? we, we work as a decacorn they're a ten billion dollar company that in a former life we used to call them um, landlords right so <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> what, what is it? It's a co-working. It's a co-working, co-working company, space. and and they're 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 beautiful spaces. But to be a ten billion dollar company as a landlord, like the real estate, like the real okay. estate people look at that company and they're like, what the? They're like, what wait, we've been doing this for a while. How we, does that wait. make sense? Right? Like, we didn't realize we were a venture like funded fundable business. Yeah. So yeah. So the look on your face, Hersh. Right? I've, I've never even heard of this company. I'm so it, it, in a box. There's, there's, there's like one down that way. There's one down that way. Well, no, I, <laughs> I, I, heard, I mean, I've heard the name, but I haven't heard that they're like a. a oh yeah, it's, it's huge, and they're 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 going to launch like living spaces now too, yeah, and like, like everything. Dorms and, uh, oh, and they're doing like capsule hotels. That's a brilliant idea. Too. <laughs> just, I've been talking about this. Like dorms, Ca- it's yeah. more, more like dorms. dorms. Yeah. yeah, but uh, anyways, all right. We're we're closing this one out. We, we <laughs> the China bubble. That's what we got to worry about, man. And I mean, there no, but there are a lot of companies on Fortune's unicorn list that are in China, which is a, which is sure. a whole other thing that we haven't even touched upon. Like, yeah, yeah. I um, think this bubble like is quite in. Is, yeah. is is the Uber competitor that's that's technically a unicorn. Sure. Um, this one's in India. Like the the Ola Cab is is over yeah. a billion dollars now. Yeah. So, but here here's how I think things get messy, right? In for us okay. in Silicon Valley. It's not this bubble bursting. It's if, if the China bubble bursts and all that money that's been getting pumped into our real estate market here, like a lot of foreign money sure. comes in and props up the property prices. If that suddenly goes away, that causes prices to drop here, right? And that might cause run-on effects, right? All of a sudden, this construction boom that's going on here will, might come to a halt. All these cranes that we see might just stop building. That's the kind of stuff that... Might be an issue, right? And I don't, I don't think like Uber or any of these companies that are privately held exploding is going to be that big a deal. All right. All right. So we'll we'll check back uh, after the bubble bursts. <laughs> we'll see how right or wrong we were. But anyways, thank you once again for joining us. We will be back next week. Bye. Grab a shovel and dig up the tent.